Welcome to the Transition to Medicare podcast, brought to you by Giardini Medicare. In each episode, we will take a look at a specific Medicare topic that will help you avoid making mistakes and reduce your stress when navigating the Medicare system. Are you contributing or looking to contribute to an HSA, which is a health savings account, and you're confused about how Medicare can impact that? Well, in today's episode, we'll explain what you need to know when it comes to having an HSA while making that transition over to Medicare. But before we get started, we always want to remind everybody that we operate Giardini Medicare, which is an insurance agency based out of Southeast Michigan, and we do work virtually over the phone to help consumers in about a dozen different states find the right Medicare coverage for them. So even if you choose not to work with us or one of our agents, we know that the information in today's podcast will help you have a successful and stress-free transition to Medicare. Okay, and I'm going to give you a, a little overview of what an HSA is, but it's, it comes with a big disclaimer here. So we are not HSA experts, but we do have an interaction between Medicare and HSA, so we need to talk about this. But we do have a contact at HSA Bank that helped provide much of the content from this current podcast. Okay, and we're going to work to get her on a future episode with us to go into maybe even more detail at that time. So I'll go right into what are HSAs, again, which are health savings accounts. These are types of savings accounts that let you set aside money on a pre-tax basis to pay for qualified medical expenses when you need them down the road or currently. Contribution limits for 2022 are $3,650 a year for an individual and $7,300 a year for a family. And these do change annually, okay, with the tax code. Let's make note of catch-up provisions. So what these are is a $1,000 annual catch-up contribution that you are able to make for people that are aged 55 and over. Cam, I'm going to let you talk about what are the true advantages of having these HSAs. Yeah, so Joanne already mentioned this, and I'll just echo it because it's super important, but we are not CPAs, HSA experts, or tax professionals. So again, everything we talk about is how we understand it. Feel free to reach out to any of those professionals in your life if you have even more specific questions. But according to Optum Bank, the HSA is a type of triple tax advantaged account. So what this means is withdrawals for qualified medical expenses are income tax-free. All contributions to an HSA are also income tax-free. And any interest earnings and investment growth from deposits are also income tax-free. So again, that's what you get with triple tax advantage. There's essentially three different tax advantages to having the HSA. And now we'll talk briefly about how you can qualify for an HSA and what you can spend the funds on. So to be eligible for an HSA, you need to have health insurance through a qualifying high deductible health plan. The minimum deductible for a high deductible health plan in 2022 is $1,400 for an individual and $2,800 for a family. And just like Joanne said, the contribution limits change, so do the qualifications for the deductible amounts. They can change annually. And then just because a health insurance plan has a deductible high enough to meet this minimum threshold, it doesn't necessarily mean it's considered a qualifying plan. So make sure to check with your plan administrator, your HR rep, your group broker, anybody that's involved with your specific HSA, check with them to see if you are eligible for HSA contributions. And I will go back to Joanne and she can talk about how Medicare enrollment impacts HSA contributions, which is basically why you're all listening today. And this is where it gets really fuzzier. Okay, so Medicare and the HSA contributions definitely have an impact on one another. So once a person is enrolled in either part, 
A or Part B of Medicare, now either part, pay attention to that part, you're no longer eligible to contribute to an HSA. Since for to have that HSA eligibility, you need to be enrolled in a qualifying high-deductible health plan while not being enrolled in another non-qualifying health insurance like Medicare. So again, like Medicare is not considered a high-deductible health plan. So therefore, when you enroll in either part of Medicare, Part A or Part B, you're no longer eligible to put any money into an HSA. When we say putting money into an HSA, this means that no one can contribute to that HSA. So sometimes we'll get that question of, hey, well, my employer funds my HSA, so I'm going to just sign up for Part A, but they're going to keep putting money in there. That's fine, correct? It is not fine, okay? So nobody can put money into that account any longer. So at the end of the day, your employer nor yourself can put anything into that account any further once you do enroll into Part A or Part B of Medicare. Yeah, basically having a part of Medicare in place, it just puts a lock around your individual HSA account. So like Joanne said, regardless of the source, it can't go into your HSA account at that point. Cam, let's talk about when people are enrolling into Medicare at 65. So a lot of you out there might be wondering, but don't I have to enroll in Medicare Part A at least when I'm 65? That's not really fair if I plan on working and I need to keep contributing to an HSA or I want to keep contributing. So this is where we'll get into the details and this is how we can help you decipher HSA impacts during your transition to Medicare. So the reason a lot of people talk about Medicare Part A when they are turning 65 is that generally speaking, as long as you have worked and paid your Medicare or FICA taxes for 40 quarters or 10 years, you qualify for premium-free Medicare Part A. So a lot of people will enroll in Medicare Part A when they are 65 and first eligible because, again, it's no monthly premium to them. So this is where we hear a lot of people advise others that say, hey, you just go get Medicare Part A. At least you got that for free. And then we can talk about what else you can get now that you're 65. But of course, like we already talked about, this can have a major impact on HSA contributions. So if you are contributing to an HSA and you plan on signing up for Medicare Part A, make sure you listen to what we talk about before deciding ultimately what to do. So we'll go into this in more detail and cover a couple different scenarios. And I'll have Joanne start with uh, one of them, which is basically, what do you do with Medicare and an HSA when you're turning 65? So we're going to talk about Medicare and HSA options when you're turning 65 years old. One very common situation is when people are not drawing Social Security benefits and they do want to enroll in Part A and Part B of Medicare. In this case, they will not be automatically enrolled in Medicare, so they'll proactively have to go file for Medicare Part A and B. So if you're going to plan on doing that, this is a very common situation when people do not have employer coverage beyond age 65, so they need Medicare. So you're going to actively and proactively apply for Medicare. It will become effective on the first day of the month that you turn 65. Unless you're born on the first of the month, in that case, it will be effective on the prior month. So what this means for your HSA contribution, because of this, you're going to want to make sure that you don't have any HSA contribution past the last day of the month before your Medicare becomes effective. And we'll go over some examples later in this episode. Okay, I want you to talk about when their people are not drawing Social Security benefits, but they don't want Part B or Part A of Medicare. Yeah, so Joanne just talked about what happens if you do want Part A and Part B. I'll basically do the opposite. So if you are turning 65, you're coming up to Medicare eligibility, and let's say you plan on continuing to work and you do have coverage through a group health insurance plan that you like the coverage, maybe even your spouse is covered on it, 
and you want to keep contributing to your HSA and you don't want to sign up for Part A or Part B of Medicare, well, first off, it's not going to happen automatically like Joanne had already talked about. Because the only time you automatically get enrolled in Medicare Part A or Part B when you're turning 65 is if you have been drawing Social Security benefits for at least four months or so before you turn 65. So again, you will not automatically be signed up for Medicare in this scenario. And essentially, if you don't want your Medicare to begin, you really do nothing. So you don't have to actively deny the coverage. You just sit back and let your 65th birth month go, and you will not be enrolled into Part A or Part B of Medicare using this method. So in this case, since you have not enrolled in any part of Medicare in this scenario, you can continue to contribute like normal to your HSA while you're covered by your qualifying plan. And we will talk soon about what happens when you do decide to sign up for Medicare in the future past age 65. And then again, I'll go back to Joanne here and she can talk about what happens if you are drawing Social Security benefits. Yeah, there's pretty well two situations that happen when you're drawing Social Security benefits, meaning cash payments of social, from Social Security, and you do want Part A and Part B. So again, you're collecting Social Security, but you do want Medicare when you turn 65. You're going to be automatically enrolled into both Parts A and Part B, and it's going to be, again, effective on the first day of the month that you turn 65. Or again, if you're born on the first of the month, it's going to go backwards to the month prior and start on the first day of that month. What this means for your HSA, it means essentially you have to stop, okay? You want to stop the contributions. On the day you become effective for Medicare, you're no longer able to put any money into that HSA. Again, we're going to go over some examples of all these situations in a few minutes. But the other situation is when you're drawing Social Security, again, you're going to automatically be enrolled into Part A at least. But let's say in this case, you do not want the medical portion of Part B. Okay, so again, you're going to automatically be enrolled in Part A and Part B effective on the first day of the month that you turn 65. But if you do not need Part B coverage, check with an agent, but you may be able to give your Part B back if you want to stay covered by their large employer health insurance plan. But in that case, you're not able to give back Part A. Okay, so you cannot opt out of Part A. The only way you can do so if you wanted to was to withdraw your original application for Social Security benefits way back when and repay all of those benefits that you've already received. Which so again, you really this, don't want to do. <laughs> you do not want to do that. Most people don't want to do that. So what this means for the HSA, if you're drawing Social Security yes. benefits and turning 65, you will want to plan on ending your HSA contributions the month before you turn 65 years old. Cam, let's talk yep. about Medicare options when you're past age 65 and you roll in Medicare. Absolutely. So I will talk about, again, we, we talked a lot already about what happens when you're turning 65, what those options look like. I'm going to go through some of the options or what it will look like for Medicare and your HSA when you're past age 65. I know this is really, it sounds really complicated. We will do our best to go over even more specific examples to make some more sense of it. But with that being said, let's talk briefly about what happens past age 65. So if you're not drawing Social Security benefits and you did successfully defer both your Part A and Part B of Medicare at age 65, like we talked about, when you leave your employer coverage and apply for both Medicare A and B after age 65, this is a very important thing to know. So your Part A effective date will be retroactively effective six months before the month that you actually apply for Medicare. And we are going to talk again in much more detail coming up about how this will impact your HSA and what that will actually look like as far as your contributions go. So I know we've kind of promised it, but here are some practical examples of everything that we've talked about 
to hopefully make some more sense of HSA contributions with Medicare. And I'll let Joanne start with the first one. Yeah, we'll talk about some contributions, but again, these practical examples should help you. So we'll talk about someone that is just turning 65, and we're going to use the month of October. So you're turning 65, October 14th of this year, 2022, and they plan on enrolling in Medicare Part A and Part B when they're first eligible. This means that their Medicare coverage will begin on October 1st, 2022. They will be able to contribute a prorated amount of the maximum HSA limit for 2022. They will have to prorate their yearly HSA contribution by 9 out of 12 months because they will be covered by an HSA qualified plan and not Medicare up until the end of September. So that means 9 out of 12 months when you prorate that amount of the $3,650 individual HSA limit, that amount equals $2,737. So that means they can take that amount, $2,737, and they can put that into their HSA. And then they can also take nine-twelfths of the year of the $1,000 catch-up provision, which would also be an additional $750. So in this example, that total 2022 contribution would be approximately $3,487. Now, here's a key point. The dollar figure of $3,487 is what can go into that fund in 2022. You cannot, because this person's birthday was in October, you cannot put that money in in March of 2022 to put in the full contribution. You can only put in $3,487, okay? People think that they can just shove the money ahead of their birth month and get the whole year's contribution, and you cannot, okay? So you really have to drill down to how much you can prorate and how much is allowable for that year's funding. Yeah, Joanne just hit on a really key point of all this. So like she was saying, a lot of people think that when you're eligible or once you actually enroll in Medicare, they think that that is when you have to just stop all contributions into the HSA. But it's really how that timing impacts your overall yearly contribution. So again, you can't just beat the clock and put all of your yearly contributions in before October just because you're technically contributing before you're on Medicare. But because you're eligible and and enrolled in Medicare during that year, you will have to limit your contributions to a percentage of your total yearly contribution. And with that same thing in mind, like Joanne just talked about, let's talk about what happens if you're trying to prorate HSA contributions or if you're signing up and applying for Medicare after age 65. So in this example, we will assume that somebody did not enroll in Part A or Part B of Medicare since they're still working and they wanted to continue their HSA contributions, and they did exactly what they were told. So now they are 67 years old, and they are retiring in June of 2022, and their employer coverage in this example will end at the end of June, so they will essentially need their Medicare coverage to begin July 1st, 2022. So again, in this example, they will apply for Medicare Part A and Part B. They can do it a couple months before they really want it to begin. So typically, we would say in May, you can apply for your Part A and Part B of Medicare to begin on July 1st. So again, I just said Part A and Part B, you're going to think you're applying for July 1st. But in actuality, and this is where a lot of people get thrown off, your Part A effective date will actually become effective six months before you apply for Medicare. So in this case, although you're applying May 1st of 2022, your Part A will actually be retroactively effective November 1st of 2021, even though your Part B is going to be effective in the future. So I know it's super confusing. And if you just take away one thing from that, it's just know that when you do apply for Part A past age 65, 
it will be effective retroactively in the past. So in this case, your 2022 contribution limit for your HSA would actually be $0, since technically you would have been covered by a part of Medicare during all of 2022. And in addition to that, for 2021, you are no longer eligible for your full contributions because you would have begun Part A of Medicare November of 2021. So you would also have to go back and prorate the contributions for the previous year. So this is why it's super important that if you do plan on delaying Medicare and you want to sign up for Medicare Part A and Part B past age 65, please reach out to us or a trusted insurance broker, HSA expert that can help you determine when you want to do contributions and what your timing of Medicare and HSA contributions can look like. And a lot of people do ask us just kind of as a side note, why does this even happen with the six month retroactive effective coverage? And it's something that goes back all the way to 1983, where according to the Society of Human Resource Management, the Department of Health and Human Services started this in 1983 to prevent people from having a gap in coverage from when they were leaving employer coverage. And then HSAs were not even implemented or created until 2003. So essentially, there was a 20-year difference between the six-month retroactive rule and when HSAs actually became in effect. That's perfect. I think there's a couple key things that I think of with what he just went through is, again, when Cameron says applying for Medicare, that can literally mean we have one episode or one piece that we use in webinars. The gentleman applied for Medicare online on May 28th of last year, and his coverage was retroactive to November. So again, it's that application date. It is not what you think of, like Cameron said, July 1st in that case. So you got to be really yeah, careful on the application date. Yeah, if you're requesting a July 1st effective date, some people think it's six months retroactive from your effective date. Right. But again, Joanne just said it perfectly. It's six months from your application date. Right. So be careful with that. And like he said, that can take you all the way back to the beginning of the tax year when you thought you could put money into that HSA and you actually couldn't. So you got to be really careful with that. Yeah, that's perfectly said. And and we talked a lot up until this point. You may be sitting here wondering, well, I have a spouse that's also going to be on Medicare. Maybe my spouse is younger. You probably noticed we've talked a lot about individuals at this point. So now Joanne will talk about what happens if you do have a spouse and how that can come into play with HSA contributions and Medicare eligibility. Yeah, and this happens really, really often. So let's just go through a couple scenarios. In this case, you're covered by an HSA eligible plan through your employer and your spouse is covered by the plan as well. You are turning 65, but your spouse is younger. Spouse is 63 in this case. Couple situations. You don't enroll in Medicare. You do not enroll in Medicare. Okay. So again, a couple more situations. If your employer has over 20 employees and you want to stay on that group insurance plan, you can delay your Part A and Part B, like we talked about in previous examples. And you can contribute the full family amount of $7,300. Plus, both you and your spouse will still be eligible for the $1,000 catch up contributions if you're both older than 55. Okay. Do note, however, that both the catch-up amounts cannot go into the same HSA account for the same year. So Mr. has to put his into one account. Mrs. has to put hers in one account that she owns and he owns, okay, separately. Cam, why don't you talk about when somebody is going to enroll in Medicare? How does it affect their spouse? So unlike somebody that has a younger spouse and does not want to enroll in Medicare, let's talk about what happens when somebody has a younger spouse that is covered by their group health insurance and they do actually want to enroll in Medicare. And you may wonder why this would come into play. And usually it's going to be if you are working at an employer with less than 20 employees and you want to stay on their coverage for yourself and your spouse 
once you turn 65. So in this example, you would want to enroll typically in Part A and Part B when you are first age 65 because of primary and secondary issues that we talk about in other episodes. But in this example, you will no longer be able to contribute to your specific HSA account because going back to what Joanne talked about in the very beginning, you would be enrolled in a part of Medicare and that means that no contributions can go into your HSA account. However, this is where uh, a loophole or you know a workaround can come into play. So instead of you contributing to your HSA account, If you and your spouse are still both covered by the plan, even though you're enrolled in Medicare, your younger spouse can open their own HSA since they're covered by the HSA eligible plan as well, and they can contribute post-tax dollars to their HSA. But you can't do payroll deductions, so there's some other nuances in this scenario. And in this case, there are still two people covered by the HSA plan by the employer, and your spouse can actually still contribute the full family maximum of $7,300 in 2022, and they can do their $1,000 catch-up as well. The main thing you do lose out on in this situation is you as the employee that is on Medicare, you cannot contribute your own $1,000 catch-up. So this can be confusing for a lot of people because they think that you automatically can only do the individual amount just because you're on Medicare. But again, you can still typically do the family amount in this situation. We can talk you through it. So give us a call at 248-871-7756 if you want to connect with one of our agents to help walk through different scenarios like this. But the key with everything we talked about is timing with HSAs and Medicare is key. But if that does not go to plan, you know, if let's say we talk about everything or you come to us and say, hey, I screwed up. You know, I listened to this episode and I realized I didn't do the right thing a couple of years back or even recently. I'll have Joanne talk about what the penalties are if you do mess up or do improper contributions and what some options you have are. Yeah, that's perfect. So we get this question a lot. We get a lot of, uh oh, what do I do if? And we know what happened. So we ha- we know that that person put in improper contributions, essentially. So what happens if you do enroll at 65 or if you are enrolled in Medicare and you're continuing to make those HSA contributions, but you're no longer eligible to do so? Well, you'll have to pay income taxes on the contributions like you normally would have, and you'll be subject to an additional 6% excise tax. This penalty also applies for every year that the excess funds remain in your account. And as we discussed already, we're not CPAs or licensed tax professionals, so please consult with them about any possible contribution penalties. And what happens, uh, what if they do excess contributions and they want to try to take those out? Yeah, that's a little easier. But again, we're not CPAs. But if you do make excess contributions, the best way to correct the mistake is to withdraw the excess funds before the due date for the income tax filing for the year that the contributions were made. So you'll have to pay income taxes on the excess contributions that are withdrawn from the account. But let's go through an example. Maybe this will be a little more clear because it really does get confusing. But if you contributed excess funds before you became eligible for Medicare in 2022, you should withdraw the excess funds before your likely tax deadline of April 15th, 2023. Typically, what you do is you're going to go back to the HSA administrator and you're going to ask for an excess contribution form to make this change. Now, if you've overfunded your HSA for several years and we've run into people that for five full years and now at age 70, they're figuring out that they should not have been putting money into an HSA for five solid years, then they're going to have to contact their CPA to fix this if they would like to. This gets into amended tax returns since HSAs are part of the tax code. So they're funded annually. This gets really (laughs) messy. And yes, you can decide what to do. But at that point, it's a bigger mistake. But again, if you're catching it early and you just realize four months later or eight months later, whatever, you can typically unwind that. And it could be a little bit of a hassle, but it can, it can be certainly be unwound. 
at this point, we basically spent 25 minutes talking about timing, you know, what you can and can't do as far as contributions. But now you might be on Medicare and you're probably wondering, what can I even use my HSA funds for? So there is sometimes a misconception when it comes to using HSA funds, because we hear so often, I, you can't contribute to an HSA once you're on Medicare. However, that doesn't mean you can't use the funds that you have accrued in your account once you are on Medicare. So once you're enrolled in Medicare, you can still use your funds for certain qualified medical expenses. There's a huge list of these that we can link to in the show notes, but we'll just go through a couple quick examples here. So you can use HSA funds to pay your Part B premiums of Medicare, your Part D premiums, Medicare Advantage premiums, if there are any. You can also spend the funds on out-of-pocket costs like plan deductibles, co-pays, co-insurance, dental and vision expenses, prescription medications and diabetic supplies, and even more. However, one thing that you cannot use HSA funds for is paying for your Medigap or Medicare supplement premiums, which throws a lot of people off since they want to spend that on their monthly Medigap premiums. Yeah. And then in addition to qualified expenses that you just mentioned, Cam, you can also use HSA funds for non-qualified expenses when you're 65 or older. Uh, You don't have to pay a penalty, but you just have to know that you will pay ordinary income taxes. So it might not make sense to do this, but you can actually access these funds just like an, an IRA, for example. If you took the money out at age 67 and you wanted to buy a car, you could, but you're still going to pay income tax. And please consult with your tax professional. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So one more note, though, sometimes people will ask if their spouse or any other person can use the funds in that person's, the, the account holder's name. The answer is yes, they can. So your spouse, if I own an HSA and my spouse has medical qualified medical expenses, he or she can use those funds as well as any other person listed on my tax return as a dependent. So it can be used beyond you. Also, just a little other note is HSAs have beneficiaries. So if you are not there, somebody else can use these funds in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And also, we've talked a lot about HSAs at this point. So I know Joanne had mentioned it at the beginning. We worked with a representative at HSA Bank to get a lot of this information. And we really want to do a podcast in the future, more of an interview and just Q&A with that person to go through more of the nuances with HSAs. So feel free to contact us as well. If you have specific questions, we can always include that in a future episode. But for now, you can basically tell that there's many moving parts to Medicare and HSA contributions. So if you're currently contributing to an HSA and you're approaching Medicare and looking to transition to Medicare, just be sure to reach out to an insurance broker like ourselves that has a firm grasp on the situation and the impacts. As always, please leave us a review on your podcast app. Check out our YouTube channel by searching Giardini Medicare on YouTube, or you can get in touch with us by directly calling 248-871-7756. But we appreciate you listening to this episode and have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Transition to Medicare podcast. To find more Medicare-related information from us, you can search Giardini Medicare on YouTube or visit our website at gmedicareteam.com.